Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of the Freshman Parking Lot. And in our efforts to become filthy rich off of this podcast, we've decided to forego the copyrighted intro song from Aerosmith and just start similar to last week where we were in the driveway without any pomp and circumstance and uh, just raw and uncut with us. So welcome to episode 10 of the Freshman Parking Lot. I'm Brian Bosch. We've got Brad Geffert on top there and Justin Fry on the bottom. And uh, we've got a pretty exciting show for you, but I want to start by just telling you guys, happy Bobby Bonilla Day, right? Hey. Yes. <laughs> hey, Bobby's a smart man. I know that uh, I've, I've read some stuff about, oh, it was a good deal for the Mets to do that, and it made sense at the time. I'm just saying Bobby Bonilla is partway into his $1.19 million every year on July 1st till 2035 when he'll be 70 plus years old. Dude, that's 15 more years. He is just living off that contract. All the rest of the money, and at one point he was the highest paid baseball player in the mid-90s, but in 2000, he uh, got cut by the Mets, and to pay off his contract, um, the Mets didn't have the money at the time, so they deferred it over this uh, long period of time. And Was Was he out of baseball in 2000, Brad? Is that it for him? No, he ended up playing another season, I believe, for the Cardinals. He finished his year. Uh, he went back in 01. Okay. By, by the way, two things. Uh, first, I think them not having money had to do with the Wilpon family, the owners, being in, investors in Bernie Madoff's Ponzi scheme. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and the other interesting thing is yeah. – I think you just told a falsity, like on PTI where they say, are there any heirs? At one time, he was the highest paid. I think today he's the highest paid baseball player. <laughs> he might be the only baseball player getting paid this year. Yeah. Well, how big are the contracts in the KBO? Good right. point. <laughs> Good point. Highest paid player worse. here. <laughs> right. Oh, boy. Um, well, hey. Tonight, with still no no live sports, at least anywhere uh, near here or any anything we recognize, the topic is going to be um, most obscure. Did we say most obscure sports or craziest sports or wacky? I tell you, we we the three of us have something you. I'll be surprised if any of you have ever seen before. How how, how right. about we just put it that way? Yeah. Well, I don't know if obscure is the right word. It may be obscure to North American viewers. Yeah, we, so, we don't want to be biased that we're the only ones out there, right? It's almost like that East Coast oh. bias that we're not the only ones out there. It's obscure to us. Right. Honestly, one of the cool things that I kind of experienced doing research for tonight's podcast was just the realization that, duh, it's not just basketball, football, and baseball, which our kind of sporting world revolves around. There are a lot of other cool things going on around the world, and those sports are on TV, and they're promoted like the big sports here in the United States are. So it's, it's definitely not just us. Pretty 100%. cool. 100%. Well, and 
I love how we got to this topic because we were sitting around last week and trying to figure out what are we going to, to bring around up in our next campfire in the campground. Correct. As we were in the RV, thanks to uh, Alley RV Services. Yep. And uh, <clears throat> we got talking about um, running. We all are, are runners in some fashion. A um, couple, couple are much faster than me, but whatever. Uh, and got talking about uh, first the beer mile. That's been something we've talked about a little bit, um, which is Correct me if I'm wrong, fellas. You you drink a non-light beer, run a quarter mile, drink another light, non-light beer, quarter mile until your mile is completed. So it's a, a run for time. By the end of it, you have four beers. And then Justin brought to my attention something I've never heard of before, which is the worst 10-mile run ever. Is that what yeah, it's called? It's yeah, it's a race that I I would like to host called the Worst W U R S T ten miler, where you eat a bratwurst, you run a mile at whatever pace you choose, and then you repeat that until you've got ten bratwursts and ten miles on on your body. Those those are the both the the most Wisconsin runs ever. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what would be even more impressive. If you combined them into a 14-miler. <laughs> some, sort of, some sort of duathlon. With, with cheese curds at the finish line. You know, all these races, they, they have a free beer for you at the finish line. Cheese curds at the finish line. Oh, man. I hope, I hope you've got a hose because you're going to be hosing down some streets and some sidewalks at the end of that race. Oh, my goodness. And, and probably whole milk to, to wash it down. Sure. So that's how we got to obscurity in sports, right? Because we started talking about these and, and would you rather and which one could you run? And, and I still think the beer mile is much more feasible uh, than the, the, the worst 10 mile. But uh, the, thing, the thing about the mile, Brad, is there's this idea in, in at least my brain. If you're racing a mile, it's, it's intense. It's, it's hard. And it's it's fast and i'm just trying to picture myself at the end of a fast lap with my heart rate through the roof and my breathing and i'm already feeling pain from the run and now i have to slam a beer <laughs> and 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 so contrast that with a nice sunny country day where you eat one of wisconsin's finest johnsonville <laughs> sausages and then you simply go out for a lovely jog and then you just do it again because you're enjoying yourself. Sure. I'm with the Justin on this 100%. seems like it could be fun. But you I mean, run 10 miles for fun. I get to four and it's a chore after that. Okay, good point. I, I will say this, the, the beer mile honestly terrifies me. <laughs> just, just the thought of it terrifies me. And the worst 10 miler, like you said, just it seems kind of leisurely. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, like you show up to the worst 10 miler and you like, you take off your nice white sweater that you wore to Wimbledon last year and then you get ready to go. <laughs> or leave it on. Or leave or it on. It, right. Oh. That works. All right. Well, Justin, I think you're going to go first, right? 
Yeah, I'll roll. So in, in, in doing some research for, for different types of sports that are out there, I came across a sport by the name of Kabaddi, K-A-B-A-D-D-I. I'd never heard of this sport in my life. Um, but upon doing research, found out that it's a pretty big deal in some Southeast Asian countries. It's, it's a big sport in India. It is the national sport of Bangladesh and Nepal. They have a professional leagues. There, is, there are World Cup matches, and there are even communities here in the United States that, that play this game. Um, it's played on a court that's a little bit smaller than the size of a basketball court. It's, it's more along the size of like a volleyball court. And the, the, the point of the game is this. You've got seven people on each side of the court. One person from one side of the court is gonna cross the center line and try to tag one of these other people over here and make it back across the center line without being tackled. And if, if that person is successful, you get a point. And, and honestly, I don't know if I can explain it as well as I can show it. So can you guys see this okay? Yep. Yep. Okay, so is this phenomenal is... phenomenal artwork. Well, just check this out. So, you know, I mentioned, you know, we, we kind of tend to be narrow-minded, I think, in terms of our culture. I think it's baseball, it's football, you know, those are the sports that matter. Um, but this is part of a television promo put together in India of um, a pro match that occurred last year. And so here are like these two dudes. Here's the TV station. It's got all the graphics and, you know, the, the stats that you would expect. And here's the guy in, in dark blue. He's the Raider. He's going across and trying to tag one of these six guys and make it back across the center line before they can tackle him. Because if they can tackle him, he's out of the game, at least for this particular part. So it's like this ultimate game of cat and mouse where one guy goes into enemy territory against six or seven guys, and he's got to do some sort of damage and make it back home and be safe. Um, and I'm not going to lie, there are all sorts of different ways you can score points. You can score three-pointers. Um, I'm not going to get into the details of that right now because, to me, the most interesting part is just that this is this weird professional game of tag and wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> that is um, kind of going on. Oh, and by the way, this is the pro version of the game in India. The traditional version of the game has, and I'm going to stop the video, in the traditional version, when this raider right here, the guy in dark blue, when he comes across the center line, he's not allowed to breathe. <laughs> so in the traditional version of the game, you came across and you had to exhale and say, Kabaddi, 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 Kabaddi. And you were not allowed to take another breath until you went back across the center line. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. You play um, two 20-minute halves, so you play a 40-minute game total. You get a five-minute intermission in between. There are lots of different rules for these areas of the court you can see on the sides and, and the lines do different things. But, but once again, um, trying to explain all of that right now is like trying to explain to a person who watches Kabaddi every week and has never seen American football all the different nuances that occur in American football. And it, it doesn't make sense. So it's a game of tag. And, and honestly, 
it looks kind of fun. Um, although maybe the tackling part isn't really fun. <laughs> um, I mean, this is the real deal. It's a professional league. Right. Oh, they can tag with the foot. You can tag with the foot. You can tag with the hand. And um, as I mentioned, the defenders try to tackle you, but as long as you, I don't know if I got a clip here of it, as long as you can crawl back to the center line and get some part of your body over it, then it's deemed a successful try and, and you get your points. <laughs> All right. And what do they play to, Justin? They, they don't. They just play to 40 minutes, and whoever has the most points wins. If it's um, the game is tied, then they have a draw. Okay. Um, and uh, I don't know, when you guys were in, in middle school or high school and you played dodgeball, you ever play the version of dodgeball where if one, one teammate launched a dodgeball and made a basket, everybody that was in prison got to come out? Sure. There's a version of that in this game as well where if you do certain things, you can get teammates who have been previously knocked out back into the game. So I'm not gonna lie, there's a lot going on that my Americanized baseball-minded brain, <laughs> I would need to sit down and watch a weekend of this to start to understand all everything that's into it. That is, uh, that is something, and by the way, speaking of the, dodge, the version of dodgeball, uh, the version we played growing up, we called razor blade, because oh. if I hit you in the right leg, you now had to stand just on your left leg. <laughs> but we we did. There was no tackling involved. <laughs> That's a little bit like when I was doing research. I came across the shin kicking world championship <laughs> in England, where guys would guys would shove hay in their pants at their shins. And then they would just square off until one guy said, that's it. I've had enough. I'm out. Is that like the slapping championships? Yes. Yes. Where, where somebody just ends up passed out laying on the floor because they got hit so hard. Right. Right. And yeah, when they get hit, they just, they kind of wobble back and forth. Yes. Oh, boy. Oh. All right. All right. Um, Brad, I'm going to go next because while no. you're presenting, I'm going to get our, we have a special guest coming in tonight, and I'm going to get him set up while you're presenting. You bet. So um, mine is called, and I have to, I actually have to read this because it's, I, I found it on a documentary last night called Home Game. It's, I believe, six or eight episodes on Netflix, and it basically travels the world and takes takes an in-depth look at sports in different places around the world that are that are unique and held near and dear in those places in the world. So this was entirely in Italian. The the interesting part was listening to them speak. The the maddening part was you had to read subtitles the entire time. Um, so it's called Calcio Storico. Um, mostly they refer to it as Calcio. Um, and it's a lot like rugby, but they said with no rules. Um, <laughs> they, they use what re resembles a soccer ball. Um, the field is 40 by 80 meters with a goal that stretches the entire width, so 40 meters, on each end line. The goal 
starts at about probably three feet off the ground and goes up to probably about eight feet off the ground. So it's not even all the way down to the ground. Um, essentially, the, the goal is to score, your, score the ball into the goal of the opponent, just like you would in, say, soccer. Um, it's a lot like soccer, football, rugby, and then MMA at the same time. Um, whereas in football, we may have linemen blocking to clear a hole so we can advance the ball. Or like in basketball, we may set screens or picks so that we can advance the ball. Here they beat the hell out of each other. And, and really, there's no rules. Um, I'm going to show some clips, but even before I do that, uh, I just want to talk a little bit about Florence, Italy. That was, to me, one of the more interesting parts is I didn't know a lot about Florence other than it's this beautiful place in Italy. It, there's just an immense amount of pride surrounding Calcio and this once annual tournament. They, there's four districts in um, Valencia, or I'm sorry, in, in Florence. Um, the Santa Maria Novella district, they're just called the red team, okay? <laughs> Santa Giovanni is called the green team. Santa Spirito is the white team, and Santa Crochet is the blue team. And, and that's what they're called. You are only eligible to play if you were born in Florence, and you're only eligible to play for the district you were born in. You'll never be able to change teams. And if you're not born in Florence, you're not eligible. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the guys they highlighted in this video now lives just outside of Florence, but made certain his son was born in Florence so that someday, if he wants to, he can play. Wow. You can't doctor up birth certificates on this one. Correct. No, he even said, um, must be similar to their social security number. He said, his fiscal code ends in D612, which must be one of the, one of the ways that they know where you're born. Um, so. It, it's it's just a fascinating way that they display pride around their history. Um, they all talk about how Florence is the best city in the world and it's beautiful and the history and this and that. Um, this game is is something that in its current form has been around since February 17th of 1530. Um, and in, in that point in time, there was a war going on outside of the city walls and to basically show how much energy and, and pride and strength they had, the, the Florentines uh, basically staged this day of celebrations, and this was a big part of it. And from that point on, they've, they've played this in the end of June now, every single year. Um, there's two semifinal games, and nine days later, the two winners play a championship. And that's it for the year. Uh, there's no money that changes hands. They all have pretty normal jobs, uh, except for twice a year, they beat the heck out of each other. Um, so the, the uh, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen here and, and see if I can talk my way through. Can you guys see that? You bet. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, I, I've got a few different spots in the video queued up that I want to make sure I, I highlight. Um, first of all, there's 27 players on each side. They're split up into what they call goalkeepers, in which there's, there's more than one. So 
dissimilar to soccer and hockey. There's more than one goalkeeper. Then there's defenders and then there's strikers. Uh, but essentially, they have a certain number of people on the exterior that are kind of the brutes that beat the heck out of each other. And the people on the interior then try to advance the ball. Um, so here's the start of the game. They're all kind of lined up here, facing off, and an official, and by the way, look at the uniforms. Oh, an official cool. throws the ball up kind of like a jump ball, but much less controlled than basketball. Um, if I can go back. Look at that. It's a boxing match. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So let's see here. I went a little too far back. Um, this oh, guy right here ball? that gets tackled, so he got tackled. He's now needs to remain on the ground until a goal is scored. Oh. But they just yeah. beat the heck out of each other. If the red guy knocks the blue guy down, he's got to stay He's gonna stay on the ground too until the goal is scored? Correct. That part, <laughs> I'm not sure if the red guy has to, but they do. They, like, sit on top of them, like, to keep them there. Um, the next part I want to get to is um, – well, I don't want to give it away. <laughs> Can they throw the ball forward, Brian, like a forward pass? They can throw the ball any direction they want. Okay. And getting tackled does not mean you have to give it up either. It's just that if play stops like that, um, and I have, a, I have a clip of it, if it's like a, a stalemate, they'll do like another jump ball. Yeah, okay. Okay. So here, we've got – the game is still going on. The clock is still moving. We've got a stretcher in the middle of the field. And we're just going to get this guy out of there. <laughs> so the old, this is like soccer in that in the, only in the fact that the clock keeps moving. But the place just keeps on rolling. Yep. And we're just going to keep beating on each other. Um, there's a stretcher in the background here. Uh, guys sitting on each other, bare knuckle boxing, all this stuff for Kelcho. <laughs> Let's see. My next clip, I'll actually go to a restart here. Uh, so we got American football silent, right? Like, yeah, right. Moms don't want their boys to play American football because it's too violent. Obviously, they've never been to Florence, Italy before. Correct. So now we're at a stalemate. We're going to kind of – referee's going to get the ball. Everybody's going to get up. And we're going to kind of line up. And, oh, there it goes. And now we're playing again. This – this is what it looks like when you give the, uh, the prison yard a ball to play with. You understand that, right? This is exactly what happens in prison. <laughs> um, I just love the number of officials. There's like 27 officials on the field. Each wow. team has 27, but they also have an official for each pair that goes down, it looks like. Yeah, and... <laughs> The score, you can see here, it's 0-0. Zero, zero. They're 10 minutes in. They played for 50 minutes. I, I didn't hear a mention of a halftime, okay? They played for okay. 50 minutes, and the scoring is you get one point for a goal, and if you take a shot and miss, which I'm going to show you right now, your opponent gets half a point. So you throw the ball through the goal or kick it, Brian? I'm sorry, I missed that. Throw. Okay. And this is a good view. This is the top of the goal there. Here we go. You're going to miss okay. this shot. He's running forward. He gets tackled, but the 
ball pops out and he shot it over the net. Okay. So the red team's going to get half a point there. Got it. And <laughs> I'm going to fast forward here and show you a goal. Do they celebrate like soccer? That's all I want to know. Does the commentator just go, go? Well, let's see. Let's turn the sound on. Bellini, con ghiaccio spray e acqua minerale i vari calcianti che si che si nei placcaggi e beh sono quanto mai importanti perché attenzione 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 perché i rossi vengono avanti c'è spazio c'è spazio c'è spazio c'è spazio c'è spazio c'è caccia c'è caccia la caccia dei rossi 2 0 all right. So there you go. That's uh, that's Calcio. It's um, it's been around in its current form for 490 years. Uh, honestly, it's been around for almost 2,000 years, but um, it's been around like this for for about you know 490 years. And there's there's just there's as brutal and as as savage as it looks. There's a lot of tradition. There's a ton of pride. Um, a lot of these guys know each other outside of these and, and hang out and even work with each other outside of these two days of competition. Um, there was a story where one of the guys uh, had his ribs fallen on and, and the guy was ready to, to beat him as he was on the ground, kind of like they do in MMA. But, but he was respectful enough that says, I'm not going to beat someone just to beat someone. When he told me his ribs were hurting, I just sat on him. I didn't beat him. That was awfully nice. Yeah, it was, 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 was respectful. They would have hurt afterwards if he beat on them, though. What's that? They would have hurt afterwards if he got beat on. So the end result was his ends, his ribs hurt either way. Yes, and actually that guy said they ended up winning, and he goes afterwards. We we went down to a place by the river and we toasted and we drank and we ate, and then at one a.m. Uh, I went to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh. I, uh, I love the obscurity of sports. I used to think that, uh, that rugby was an obscure sport, and, and now I realize that I'm so far off from that. There's, there's way more obscurity in, in these sports than, uh, than playing rugby. So, um, I thought I was I was awesome in college. I played a couple of years of rugby and thought that was great, and uh, then realized that uh, these are, are way are way more interesting, at least uh, obscure in the United States for sure. Um, mine is called Botashi, uh, B O T A O S H I, and. Uh, you guys had some ancient or, or have some more history. Um, Botashi's been around since 1945, so it's not even a 100-year-old sport. Um, but it's played with 150 players on each team. How do you find that many so, people that want to do something? So, so Botashi, the history of it is that it started as a – uh, it's played only by the military in Japan. 
Uh, there's three branches off the military, and then there's like a fourth Botashi team as well. And then they square off and it's part of their training regiment, uh, but also a game that they take pride in playing against each other. Um, out of the four teams, there is 75 players on offense and 75 players in defense. To set up the game, the 75 players on defense um, are around a pole. If you can think of a, a telephone pole that's about 10 feet uh, up in the air with a, a small pole coming out of it with one person on top of the pole and then a, or 75 people surrounding it. Um, on defense, there's pole support, there's barriers, there's interference players, there's scrum disablers, which job is just like grab the offenders and pull them and yank them down. And then there's the ninja that stands on top of the pole. I almost spit water. So they call it the ninja, Brad? The ninja stands on top of the pole and defends the pole. Is this pole fixed into the ground? It is not, and, and you'll find out why here in a second. <clears throat> the offense is 75 other players, um, and their names are Springboard and Scrum, the pole attackers, and then, this is my favorite, the general support attackers. Hey, we have um, a special guest joining us right now. Hey. Um, so the goal of this is 75 people, 75 people, 75 people, 75 people. And at start, the offense goes and attacks the opponent's defense on both sides. So you have these big piles of 75 people attacking each other. And the goal is to take down their pull. Um, Greg would know this well. It's like a mean game of um, capture the flag. You know, you're going back to elementary, middle school, capture the flag. Um, there's a 27-meter circle. They start with two, with two poles? Two poles. Each team has a pole. You win by taking down the opponent's pole, and whichever pole comes down first, you lose. Okay. Um, I find this, you can tackle, you can wrestle, you can form walls. There is no kicking or punching. If you have three players Lame. that get a kick or a punch foul, you lose. So um, you automatically lose if you get three fouls. Um, the goal is to pull the man down off the pole and then tip the pole over to 40 degrees um, sorry, 30 degrees off the ground. So you need a little geometry in there as well. Um, my favorite is when you win, you get a beautiful large trophy that looks like a one by 10 with some laser engraving on it. So um, it may be the most ridiculous trophy that I've seen, but by the way, can, I mean, I quick, can I quick talk about what my winner gets? Yeah. Um, the prize way back when in, in, in 1530 was a cow that they would then, you know, cook and eat. Now it's still a cow that they parade around like a model and then put back in its pen. Okay. <laughs> hey, gotta give, hey, June's Dairy Month. We gotta support uh, the dairy industry there, I guess, so. Um, and, and this isn't uh, maybe the best um, video. I've, I've watched some, some full videos. 
Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting is the um, defense always wears white. So no matter uh, what team you're on, your uniform is a white shirt. The offense gets to wear the colored uniform. Okay. Kind of um, like a libero in volleyball, huh? Yes. So, so it's always the same. Um, you have the, the ninja on top of the pole, and then you have all the defenders um, around it um, with the interference on the outside, and then the scrum disablers outside of that. Um, so as you watch as it goes, and you can see the team here in orange, uh, those are the offensive players, and they are trying to use each other to springboard up to get on top of the pole. Um, it's not just pulling the ninja down. The ninja's up there trying to defend the pole. Um, they got into a little bit of science with that, like the counterbalance. When they're trying to tip it over, the ninja's pulling that pole back up to perpendicular to the ground um, and is trying to hold his position. Um, no kicking, but it looks like he's doing a little kicking there. He sure um, kicked that guy in the head there. Yeah. At least they were padded helmets. Uh, this reminds me of, like, one ant colony storming another yeah. ant colony and taking it over. <laughs> you got to remember, this same thing is going on 27 meters away, and there's another 150 people doing this exact same thing. So these people are all watching two groups of 150 going after a pull and the only thing you want to do is you want to take that pull down below 40 degrees i think it's 40 degrees 30 degrees i'm sorry and you have to take it down beyond 30 degrees to then win so this team now, Brad, do they have like multiple attacks or is this just like a one-shot deal when the pole is down the game is over it's a um, one shot you have uh one Look shot at up. All of those people. So, um, and I'm trying to go back to unscreen sharing here. I'm sorry. Oh, we've been on summer break for a couple of weeks. We don't know how to Zoom anymore. <laughs> there we, we should go. Should be up at the top right now. Yeah. I got it. I got it. Thanks, Smart Alex. Wow. So, <laughs> so that is Botashi. All right. Which Which of those do you guys think? Of the is the the one you would most like to participate in? Um, <laughs> probably yours, Justin, because I think there's less chance of dying. Yes, for sure. Like for in sure. mine, in mine, there have been deaths. The one that I said, Brad's. There's 150. There's 300 people on the field. There's that's a stampede. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, guys, with my body style, don't play either of the games you two presented. <laughs> that just doesn't happen. Uh, a good game of tag works. Yeah. Yes. Let's welcome in. Let's welcome in guest guest uh, of the show, friend of the show, fellow Redhika Ranger, <laughs> and um, co-commissioner of the Yard Olympics, Greg Riddell, and he's going to talk to us about my favorite yard game that he claims to have invented when he was a Young man at UW Across. Good evening, gentlemen. What's um, up? 
I said, good evening. And I don't think I can top that. I'm not sure Botashi, whatever it might be, but that will not be played this, uh, this weekend in the yard Olympics. We would not survive. Like, like Justin said, I don't think any of our bodies are made for that type of, uh, that type of activity right about now. Mine, my game's way more, uh, low key. I mean, you might get a couple bruises from a Frisbee, but, uh, yeah, man, I, I had to jump in early to see what Brad was talking about because I'm always intrigued. So that was good. That was good. So I was asked to uh, talk about a yard game that I will probably take with me to the grave saying that I did invent <laughs> this when I was in college. Um, and, and Brian's never heard the story on how it really came about. So he gets to kind of hear how the whole thing was evolved. Um, the game is called Frups. And simply enough because it involves frisbee and cups and we were not very inventive with the name when we were playing it um so it's very uh laid back uh just come up with a name that we could come up with having to do with frisbees and cups um it all started when i was at a i had an outdoor education class at uw lacrosse and we took a camping trip for a weekend um and i'll take you through the story before we really get into the game but we were all at our campsite and we were playing the, you know, traditional bags and washers and uh, ladder golf and throwing the Frisbee around. And we were throwing the Frisbee around and it got to a point where we were saying, hey, let's see if we can knock that cup off the table. Let's see if we can knock that uh, beer out of our buddy's hand, sit in the chair over there, kind of competition with each other. And then it turned into, hey, we can make a game out of this. <laughs> so what we did is we ran right over to the um, – to the woods right in our campsite and we tried to find two of the longest straightest sticks that we could find um and we set them up and we put and, and we you know shoved them into the ground about uh, arm distance apart from elbow to fingers that and is that is part of the field we greg we talked about dimensions of our playing field that it's it's the length of greg's arm it's, <laughs> it's the official rule book i think if, I, if i'm not there apparently it's not uh regulation size so, um and we just really started it where we didn't even have opposing teams we just started a competition we had the sticks come up to about my waist again this distance apart whatever that may be and we took two red solo cups and hung them on top of each pole or each stick uh now all we were trying to do is we were trying to throw a frisbee and knock the cups off or try and get it in between like a field goal would be. And we weren't keeping score. We were just kind of playing around and, you know, it was a couple of buddies of mine and we were like, you know what, this is a game I think we could really make a, a competition out of. Uh, so throughout the weekend, this was probably that Friday night that we got there that we started doing it right away. And throughout the weekend, we came up with, you know, hey, how can we play this back and forth? How can we make this, you know, a competitive game where it's not just, you know, throwing a bag and hoping it goes in. You know, we wanted to have a little bit of skill, but a little bit of uh, uh, defense involved because we're all FIED majors and we like to be active and we were moving. So we added an offensive and a defensive aspect to the game. And what we did is we decided, you know, and I can't take full credit, but since I'm the only one around here that went to school in lacrosse, I'm going to take credit for it, I guess. By the way, as a bunch of PE majors, was this like your master's thesis project? <laughs> no, one would think, and it would have been great, but uh, no, this was just pretty much a weekend party for our outdoor head class. Um, Dude, so I'm, all about, 
how about name dropping all the other people out there? Because maybe they can increase our viewership and we can tag them in and, and they can uh, they can listen to the story too and, and rebut next week. I believe one of them's in Honduras, so hopefully Chris Barron can get the, the memo way out there, not sure. Um, and then Mark Zwiefel was actually one of our, he was our adventure ed teacher, and he was more laid back than probably anybody he would ever meet. He, thought he should show this thing. to his classes. He should. He should. Um, so we came about it and we took, you know, we said, okay, let's make two teams, you know, two on two. And we took the sticks, two teams with the two sticks, 30 feet apart, or sorry, 30, uh, yeah, 30 feet apart with, again, the dimensions of the, the sticks and whatnot. And it turned into just a competition of throwing the Frisbee back and forth. And it was that we started, we made the rules up as we go. And Brian will attest to, he still thinks I add rules as we continue to. Good at making the them game, up as he goes. I just remember something. I, I remember them later in life. So I just kind of throw those rules out there as they uh, come to mind. Um, it, it's really funny because we played this weekend. So there was a lot of Fort Atkinson folks down in Iowa from different age groups at this baseball tournament last weekend. And Greg was off doing something else. And I was playing with three other guys. And um, <laughs> there was two very random kind of obscure things that happened. I don't remember exactly what, but I remembered some rules as we went along. And he's uh, shocking, actually. He shares the same first name as me. Um, he swears, you're just making stuff up as you go. And I said, well, that's kind of how this game goes, just ask Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and once you have more uh, liquid courage put in you, then more stuff just seems to pop into your head. So, um, uh, Greg, Greg, you score points by knocking the cups off of the stick. That's right. So there's three different ways you can score. There's two ways on offense you can score, and that is by if the frisbee hits the stick and knocks the cup off, and the cup lands on the ground. Or the harder one to get two points is throwing the frisbee through the through both sticks without touching them but below the bottom part of the cup that's hanging there. So the cups are hanging here. It's got to go clean under and through the uprights, and that's worth two points. Uh, and then the third way to score is a defensive play. If I throw the Frisbee to you, Justin, and it hits the cup up in the air, but you catch the cup, you get a point. Sure. Now, there are rules where you have to have a drink of some sort in your hand, so you're only catching one hand. Um, that way you're not catching two hands or, I mean – it gets to the point where people are trapping it against their chest or catching it under their arm any way that they can deem possible as long as they have some sort of beverage in their hand. Girls seem to be a little bit better at trapping it. Just going to say. Well, how, how far apart are the competitors if you're playing this game? You have the sticks between. You're on one side, I'm on the other. How far away from the uh, cups are we each? You're throwing the Frisbee 30 feet. So now, 30, feet, 30 feet from my two sticks right here, it, it, my two sticks and 30 feet away are your two sticks. Okay, so sticks are right on you. Got it. Yep. Okay. Yep. And you're just standing right by your sticks as you throw the Frisbee. So you need uh, four sticks and four cups to play the game. Correct. And we All got right. to the point where we started with, like I said, literally just sticks from the woods trying to get the straightest ones we could have, and they'd be all zigzag and whatever. <laughs> then we moved to wooden dowels once we got back to campus because we have no money, and let's just buy wooden dowels. We started to snap those with the Frisbee. You hit the, and then 
those dollars would snap. So we'd have to buy 10 for a weekend just to make it last. <laughs> so now we're to the point where we get these fiberglass orange rods that you see for plows or snow, or snow uh, blowers where kind of marking the sidewalks and driveways. And those fiberglass ones just don't break. But they slingshot the Frisbee. When they hit that, the cups just go flying every different direction. So we always have our defensive, we call them as they have the web gems in baseball, we have frup yeah. gems. So we're always looking to make a frup gem. So defense is a very big twist and turn in this game. So we always try and make sure that we can add some sort of athleticism into the games. And what do you play up to? So you play to 14, and after one team gets seven, teams switch sides. So then if you're playing into the wind, then it's fair both teams and whatnot. Um, and there's many times where the Frisbee might bounce off of one pole and hit the other pole and both cups go off. And there's times the rules run into an issue. The Frisbee comes in kind of sideways this way, but it, there's arguments. It was under. It wasn't under because the top part needs to be under the cups as well. I mean, it can get to be pretty nasty with arguments. If At least in our college days, it was a lot worse than it is now. A lot more laid back now, but. Well, you, you didn't have iPads then to videotape so you could go back for slow-mo replays then. That would be something. I like that. Greg, Greg did actually go to the booth the booth review last week a couple times when we were down in Iowa. They had, they had a <laughs> good booth review. I had to go. I had to ask. Greg, um, I got I have two questions. I have, yeah. have, have you made any money off of this game? I don't want to talk about that right now. I'm a okay. little angry, a little bitter. The, then I won't ask my second question because I've played, it, I've played a very similar game. Weird. <laughs> at a party that yep. someone had purchased at a store with a single pole on each end. Yep. And then a plastic beer bottle that sits on top, like a heavy plastic beer bottle. And yep. the object is to throw the Frisbee, hit the pole, and knock the plastic beer bottle onto the ground. Or if you're a defender, to catch the plastic beer bottle. So as you started to describe this, I just flashed back to that moment. I thought, oh, my God, you could be retired right now, man. So that game, I have been told, is called Beersby. That's a completely different game because it's one pole with a beer bottle. Yep. Different game, same premise, obviously. Yep. So now we have, I've seen for this Frups game, I've seen something called Flimsy, which is pretty much the exact same thing. And then another one is called Cup Check. And Mitch. 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 Mitch Kupchak. No, it's called Cup Check, and it's set up the exact same way. It comes with the cups, the stands, the poles, and I'm like, I'm ridiculous. I went to college. I should have should have taken what I learned on my weekend getaway with my outdoor ed class, and I could be done. I could be I could be out on an island right now. You should you get, go. a good, get a good get a good copyright lawyer and say measure this arm. You see this? This is the proof. <laughs> this is the distance right here. <laughs> By an island, do you mean Blackhawk Island? Well, I, I'd probably be called Radika Island. <laughs> Home of the Rangers. <laughs> the Rangers rule over the island. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, so that was just a game that really, in all honesty, and, and like I said, Brian had never heard where that originated from. He still might not believe that I made it up, but we certainly did at that campsite, and that's how it transitioned in from literally sticks in the woods to dollars to now the fiber fiberglass that we can play for days with it it's I, honestly i just have fun making funny and getting you going it's my favorite yard game it, oh it's what my all-time favorite now too and I, I i've loved bags since the day i've been playing bags but 
I think since there's two aspects, the offense yep. and defensive part of this, I think that really, for us competitive people, I think is really, really cool. And you see people diving. They're trying, yep. they're laying out their body. And you see people that throw the Frisbee and they're 30 feet the wrong way. So, I mean, any, anybody at any level can play. And in a, in a similar, uh, I guess it's not that similar, but kind of a back and forth game with some strategy and some defense that actually Greg and I just found recently is um, called Cub or Coob um, uh, with, with some wooden dolls and, and some blocks that you throw back yeah. and forth. I believe an ancient Scottish game. Um, yes, so we might have Correct. a report for you on that after the 4th of July. Here. <laughs> well, hey, I, I like it. In today's day and age, and uh, it seems like social distancing can uh, take place. Uh, you know, the minor transmission with the, uh, the Frisbee, I, I, I think it's a win all around. Yeah, yeah, it is, and sure. it's great. Every, I, I've never heard anybody really complain about it until we start adding rules. That's the only time they <laughs> ever complain about it. So, Hey, Greg, do you want to stick around for the um, Would You Rather that Brad ends every show with? I'd be more than happy to. Okay. I might be uh, nervous to answer, but I'd love to hear well, the question. We well, always it's are, an easy. We it's always an easy are nervous to answer. <laughs> And, and first of all, sometimes it's hard, and, and you have to remember, like, our wives never watch the show, so um, we've had a couple of those. This one doesn't go down that road, so okay. um, pretty easy tonight, fellas. Would you rather be an, an elite, obscure athlete in one of the sports that we mentioned tonight, or would you be average in a major sport, football, basketball, baseball, and money – is not an option. Money's not an option. Money's not an option. Okay, so that's out of the equation. Money's out of the equation. Would you rather be a, a elite in an obscure sport or average in one of the major three sports? I think that makes it easier for me that money's out of the equation. It has to be out of the equation. Th this is the same. This is the same question that you guys gave me so much crap for. You always want to win the gold medal even if it is in rhythmic gymnastics. <laughs> so, you're, I'm being elite in calcio, calcio because um, those guys are like chiseled gladiators and they're heroes in their country and in their city. I, I'm being elite every time. PJ didn't, you tell us last, didn't you tell us last week your dream job was a bullpen catcher in the MLB? How would you not choose backup catcher for any MLB team over some dude that bare knuckle fights someone in a pile of dirt like a prison fight once a year. Sometimes to win a cow. To hey, win a cow. Sometimes he doesn't even get to take the cow home. Well, <laughs> I guess he gets to parade it around once, but sometimes I get to talk out of both us both sides of my mouth. Okay. For, for me, the answer depends on what do you mean by obscure. Like, I have specific sports in my brain. So, like, if you consider um, ultra marathoning or cross-country skiing as obscure sports, then I'm choosing one of those all day long. No, I'm talking about one of the ones we mentioned tonight. Oh, no. I would choose major league, average Major League Baseball player because baseball I love way more than those other sports. I don't care if I'm the best at a sport I don't watch. I like <laughs> baseball. I'd rather be the guy that sits on the bench. Have you no pride about competing? Yes. I have lots <laughs> of pride the, about competing. Being the best at something? 
All right, Greg, can you uh, can you weigh in on this? You know, I can see both ends of this. I really can. I I, I would love to be the best Frups player in the world. I, I really would. I, you know, I'm not we, sure. I, I know neither of them give me anything or anywhere in life, but my ultimate dream job was always an NFL field goal kicker. Always. It's always what nice. I wanted to do. And I've seen some really bad ones that still have a job. So I feel <laughs> that I could probably be an average NFL kicker, even though no money is, you know, no money gets put into my pockets. But man, I always wanted to play in a professional sport. And I guess I don't care what level I'm at or what level it is at. But if I could say I was a professional athlete, that would, for sports being such a big part of my life, I think that's the direction I would have to go. Because if I'm an average professional athlete, I'm probably pretty damn good at cups or props. I probably that's am. True. If you're kicking <laughs> NFL footballs, Greg, that's what you do. Yes. If you are in that Japanese sport or that Italian <laughs> sport, guess what? <laughs> On Monday morning, you go work some job. Yep. <laughs> yep. In uh, in Botashi, you you go and uh, you work for the government. You're uh, you are uh, in their army at that oh. point. Isn't that what we do, Brad? <laughs> yeah. Good point. <laughs> Brad, what awesome. are you doing? Oh, I've got to be I've got to be a, a backup quarterback, right? Sign oh, me no. up for that. So I got no. the, I got the question wrong, is what you're saying? No, you just have different. You you have that winner's perspective. That's right. I'm a winner. I just I you're can't winner. believe Brian that you'd rather be the best guy at shucking oysters. Than a backup catch on a major league baseball team. That's what you're telling me with your your line of logic. Yeah, what I'm telling you is I want to be the best in the world at something. Okay. I, don't you think don't if you're an average that. professional athlete, if you're an average professional athlete, you have to be pretty darn good at those obscure sports. You'd think you'd be pretty okay. I don't yeah. know. I, yeah, you you put it you put Aaron Judge. In that sport you shared with us, Brian, he's going to beat the crap out of some guys. <laughs> so hold on, Greg. So you want your cake and you want to eat it too, is what you're saying. Hey, you don't get this physique without practice, man. <laughs> hey, all I know is we're headed over to Riddell's Roadhouse this weekend, and uh, we're going to play some uh, some props. So I'm all about it. It's, it's, funny. it's funny you should say that because um, – to be honest, tonight's show is sponsored by Bosch's Beer Garden. Yes, I've okay. been there, <laughs> which, which is also open. Um, both Riddell's Roadhouse and Bosch's Beer Garden are open for um, really curbside pickup, driveway bonfires, and uh, midnight glow-in-the-dark dice. So come on over to uh, visit the Rangers, uh, Bosch's Beer Garden and Riddell's Roadhouse. Awesome. The place to be. Absolutely. <laughs> As always, email the show, freshmanparkinglot at gmail.com. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, Freshman Parking Lot. And follow us on Twitter. You can still be one of the first 10 to follow us on Twitter <laughs> at Frosh Parking Lot. That's the show for tonight. Uh, we will see you next week, ladies and gentlemen.